Um, I am really excited about this uh, sermon series that we are doing. And why don't we just stop for a second and say thank you to both Mark Jefferson and Matthew Ackley, who preached last weekend while I was gone. So let's give them a round of applause. If you didn't catch that sermon, I would encourage you to get on the website. Uh, excellent, excellent sermon. And unfortunately, we did not capture Mark's. Um, we're trying to get the technology working up, up at the other campus to be able to do that. But uh, we're in a series called The Heart of a Family. And the first week, this is the fourth, the first week we talked about forgiveness. The second week we talked about harmony. The third week we talked about encouragement. That was last week. And today we're going to talk about honoring. And I want to ask you a question to even get yourself ready for this sermon. I want you to, to participate in this for a moment. And I find that we really need to do this more often. You know, we tend to be, the modern churchgoer tends to be a worship experience critic. We come to church, we go through the church, and then often, if we're not careful, we say things like, well, you know what, the worship was really good this morning. Or the worship was a little flat. Or the sermon kept me awake. Or that was kind of a boring message. Or, you know what, so many people talked to me, it was incredible. Or, you know, really hardly anybody talked to me. We tend to critique the experience, and some of that's good, unless we're not doing any of the other direction. Is the experience critiquing you? So what I'm gonna ask you to do very intentionally, very purposefully, is to sit under this message you're about to hear, and let it begin to pull the zipper of your heart down so that God can shine the, the light of his word in there and see both or either this is something God has helped you become very good at or this is something that you need his help to improve. All right? Can we sit under it that way? Okay, let's, let's uh, do that if we can. Um, you know, I'll tell you this. The devil is very content to leave you a church critic. You know why? Because your focus is always on others rather than yourself for the sermon. He would love for you to be a church critic. It's not going to impact your life, though, if you are. So we can learn to be evaluated by the message as much as we evaluate the message itself. Here's what we're going to do today. You ready? Very simple outline. We're going to find out what the meaning of the word honor is. We're going to find out what the means of honor is. And then we're going to find out and discover what honor is meant for. Okay, the means of honor or the meaning of honor, the means of honor and what honor is meant for. All right, here we go. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to read two verses from Romans chapter 12. When we stand, what we are doing is we are recognizing this is over us. This is our authority. We are not over this. So we stand to honor God's word. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 12 verses 9 through 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You may be seated. Here we go. Three points, and they're going to get harder hitting as we go. I'm going to encourage you to really sit under it. Let it teach you. Let it open up your heart and evaluate 
you. Number one, the meaning of honor. Now, there's a lot of ways to understand what the word honor meant back in the biblical days. Now, you know that, right? When you read the Bible, what you have to try your best to do, and there are a lot of aids, a lot of tools that can help you with this, you have to understand what was the original intent of the author. Not what's it sound like in today's culture, what was the original intent? And so we gotta go back and we've gotta discover what the word honor meant back then. And Rome, which was built on honor, it was a whole system that coveted honor, they used the word, interestingly enough, for the appraisal of a person's wealth so that your tax bill could be determined. Not unlike today. It's the appraisal of your wealth and your status so that you can have an accurate tax bill. But it meant more than that. It was used for more than that. It was also the word for the giving of an award to a distinguished recipient. The giving of an award for a distinguished recipient. So here's fundamentally what the word honor meant way back then. It means the worth that you attribute to somebody else. It means the value that you have for somebody, the importance that you recognize in them, the significance that you see in them. So honor is all of that. It's the worth, it's the value, it's the importance, it's the significance of another person, and you are the one that sets the appraisal. Did you hear that? You are the one that sets the value and the importance and the significance. Now think of the the adage, pay someone a compliment. Haven't you ever thought of how odd that is? Pay them a compliment, pay them the honor that they are due. They are due something, and you are the one to pay it. You pay it out of your own resources. That means you've got to be transparent. You've got to be giving. You've got to give a gift. It's going to cost you something. Maybe that's genuineness. Maybe that's emotional. Maybe that's intimate, but you pay them a compliment. You are in the position of the one that pays. You give them an honor that they are due. So now we go this way. If honor is used as a noun in the Bible, then it's the value, the appraisal. It's, if it's used as a verb, a noun in action, it's the communication of that value to someone. Now, I'm kind of taking this at different angles so that you can get it. Here's what it is if I sum it up. Honor is your appraisal of a person's value, the dignity that you see in that person, your estimation of their significance, and then it's your communication to that person of it. Okay, now here's the interesting thing. So far, this could have been a TED Talk. So far, you would hear this in any school, baccalaureate, you know, graduation, commencement speech. There's nothing that strikes this and sets it apart from the world yet because this is how the world honors. Let me dig in a little bit more and you're going to see where it really, where biblical honor goes very different from the world's honor. How about this? You get in a car accident, really slippery roads, get a fender bender. You take it to five different auto body shops and guess what? You're going to get five different estimations. 
They're going to do an appraisal, and all five of them are going to be different. Or you want to refinance your mortgage, so you bring in three appraisers, and all three of them are going to give you a bit of a different number. It's not an exact science to honor someone. Setting their significant value point in their appraisal level is not an exact science. In fact, it's very much subjective. If you were hurt and mistreated by somebody, and somebody that you work with reminds you of that person, then you're going to have a very low appraisal point. You're going to have a very difficult time honoring them. Or, if I put it this way, if you're a generally selfish, critical person, then everybody starts off low. They've got to earn to go up in your appraisal. So it's not an exact science to honor somebody. So how does the value, how does the appraisal of a person get set in the first place? And now we begin to see where the Bible goes contrary to the world. Here it is. Biblical honor is the appraisal and communication of someone's value. Now listen to this. Based on how God sees them. The world hung with me all the way to the end. Until I said, based on how God sees them. You see, the world honors somebody with their own standard. You are honorable because of what you do. That's how the world honors. You're honorable because of something that you did. Person of the Year Award, Nobel Peace Prize, the Oscars, Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Award, Freddie Awards locally. All of them. Honor is, is an appraisal based on your performance, not on anything really other than that. But you see, the Christian... The Christian sees someone begging for money on a street corner the way God sees them. As someone who is not to be discarded, not to be ignored, not to avoid eye contact, but someone who is precious, who is valuable, who is significant. Why? Because God loves that person. Do you see now where honor biblically goes a little bit different than the world? Actually, wildly different. If you refuse to honor and, and, uh, and value highly a difficult person at work, then you're not seeing that that person bears the image of God. If you can see that person the way God sees that person, you don't start with a low appraisal. You don't start with a low value. You start at the right value, a high value. The heart of a family of God, the heart of a church has a high appraisal from one, one another, discerning the value that God has set, all motivated by something very different than the world, which is our next point. So here's point number one. What does honor even mean? Point number two is going to be, what is the means of honor? How is it even possible? Where does it come from? What springs it forth? And it's so clear. Look at our text. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. All right, let me tell you something. There's four main Greek words for the word love. One of them is never, ever found in the Bible. That's the one that you are absolutely familiar with because we are in a sexually charged culture. That's the word eros, erotic love, okay? That's never found in the Bible, the other three, now watch this, the other three are not only found in the Bible, all of them are in these two verses. 
and we're going to unpack. Here we go. Let love be genuine. Love is agape there. That's the highest love. That's the greatest love. That's God's love that he gives to us, his children, so that we can love him with all of our strength, our mind, strength, and soul, and all the rest of that verse, and love other people the way that we want them to love us, love our neighbor as ourselves. So agape love is a deep concern for another person, whether they deserve it or not. Did you see that? It's not built on whether they deserve it, and they haven't earned it. They don't need to earn it. They don't need to perform for it. It is a love that is the natural disposition of God. He loves whether you deserve it or not. In fact, we see it in 1 John 4, 7. It's only Christians that have this love. Beloved, let us love one another, agape, for agape is from God, and whoever agapaos, that's verb, has been born of God and knows God. So in other words, if you are born from God, you've got this verb, you've got the ability to love with this kind of love. If you're not a Christian, you cannot love with this kind of love. Yes, the world can love, but the world cannot love with agape love. It is the proprietary experience Exclusive ownership of God, he gives it only to his children. But then there's the second one. Well, let me give you one more verse. I'll tell you how we get that love in our hearts, Romans 5, 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So God pours. That Greek tense means he's poured all he's going to give you. You are full. You don't lack love. If you're not loving, it's not because you lack love. You just won't obey it. You won't give it. You've been given all the love. It's filled up your heart to overflowing. You've got all of God's love that you need in your heart, and the Spirit of God gave it to you. So let it be genuine, verse 9. Let it be real. Don't let it, be a, don't let it have any shadows or corners around which lurks hate and dislike and slander and gossip. Let it be without duplicity. Here's the second word it's in here. Love one another, verse 10. That's a combination, compound Greek word of phalo and storgos, okay? Phalo storgos is the word. It means it's the tender love between people in a very close, mutually supportive family. Now, I want you to evaluate something for a moment. Think of your own family. Think of your own family. Is there a close, mutually supportive love in your family? Well, if there is, that's this kind of love. But then there's a third one, and it doesn't look like there's a third one because you don't see the word love. It's called brotherly affection. But in the Greek, that's the third word for love. That's another compound word, but this time is phileo and adelphos. Now, I'm going to tell you what that really gives us. It gives us Philadelphia. Isn't that the most odd thing you've ever heard in your life? How could that city mean brotherly love? It is an atrocious city. And it's an atrocious football team. In fact, what? They stoned all of the prophets, Jesus said. I'm telling you right now, if you want to learn to love with agape, become a Cowboys fan. It's so much easier. Here's what Paul is saying. That this, sorry, Chris Venari. Chris actually once threatened to leave this church if I ever said something like that again. I hope he doesn't. This is love. Brotherly affection is the love between brothers, the love among a close family. 
It's the love among siblings that says, I will not leave you to suffer alone. I will be with you. Whatever you need, I'm there. See, here's what Paul is saying in these two verses. Now, you ready? This is so, forget everything I just said about the eagles because I was just kidding, but really listen to this. The source of biblical honor, the source, the means of biblical honor is a close, God-like, affectionate, familial love for each other. All right, so I'm going to have you do something. I want you to think of the people in this congregation, this one. See, there's a reason we keep asking you, please settle down into one congregation. We have five of them. Don't bounce. We want you in one. Why? So that you can learn to love and be loved and honor and be honored and forgive and be forgiven and encourage and be encouraged so that we can have the heart of a family. So I want you to think right now about the people in this literal service. Do you have an affectionate, familial, agape love that's springing out of you honor for other people where you set the appraisal high, the value high because you see the other people the way God sees them and you communicate it to, that, to them. Now I'm going to tell you, and I want to look in the camera when I say this, if you're watching this online, it's terribly difficult to live like this with your church family. That's why we want you back. When you're ready, come on back. You need to be in proximity. If you are online, call people, encourage people, pray for people, make meals for people. Find a Zoom group that you can get involved in, in a Bible study. But this is the way that we grow. This is the way that the church develops the heart of a family. We honor. We are to love each other in, the, in a way that a close-knit family loves one another. And if you love well, you will honor well. But if you honor poorly, listen, the problem is your lack of love. Now, I asked you a question at the beginning of this. Do you honor people well? And your answer will actually determine the state of the love that's in your heart. If you honor people well, you love well. If you honor people poorly, you love poorly. Love is the means of honor. It is the springboard of honor. This is why verses 9 and 10 precede, outdo one another in showing honor. Point number three. Not only what the word honor means, and not only what is the means for that honor, which is love, now we go to the third, and now the sermon starts to explode. This is where it gets tough, and it gets amazing. Not because I'm preaching it, it's because of the truth. What honor is meant for? Now, the Greco-Roman culture, I told you, was consumed on getting honor. You know what they never really thought much of? Giving honor. It was all about gaining it. It was all about getting it. So when Paul said what he said in verse 10, it would have detonated in their minds because it was completely countercultural. He said, outdo one another in showing honor. Everything in Rome, by the way, the Japanese culture, death before dishonor. It's all built on honor. Rome was all built on honor. Paul completely reverses it. In the New Century Version, it goes this way. Give each other more honor than you want for yourselves. 
That says it really well, but it doesn't get to yet the meaning of the word outdo. This is so odd. You would never think this. It actually means to lead the way. It means to go first. It means to show honor before anybody else does. It means to be infatuated, consumed, obsessed, focused on giving more than you're getting by way of honor. Find a way to communicate significance, value, importance to other people more than they do to you. In fact, let it never be said, Paul's saying, that you receive honor more than you give honor. Always give more than you get. But even more, now think with me, this gets deep. View the other person with a value greater than your own self-appraisal. See, that's really the problem. If you withhold honor, if you do not communicate to someone their value, their significance, their importance, it's simply because your own self-appraisal is higher than theirs. You see, when the gospel brings you back to spiritual poverty, you begin to see other people as amazing. You begin to see other people through the eyes of God, and there is something that begins to spring out of you for them, out of you to communicate to them. Now, slow down a minute. you got to slow down. Because the unbeliever actually can get a lot of that. We're not really at the gospel yet. I could actually say amen right now and let you walk out of here, and I'm going to tell you right now, it would have been a sermon that I hope you forget quickly. Because you could be convicted, you know what, I haven't told my wife, I haven't told my husband in a long time how valuable they are to me. My kids don't hear it enough. I never tell my parents, I really need to, my coworkers. And you know what, it puts a blip in the radar of your heart. You try it for a day or two, maybe a week, and then your default mode settles back to who you really are. See, that's utterly unhelpful. Don't you want to be changed? Don't you want to be transformed? Don't you want to know the power that's available for you to live this way? Not only in your own personal family, but in your church family. You want that. I want that. We got to get to that. And here's how we do. You ready? Let me tell you about a woman that was so poor that she could not even pay the rent for her apartment. Now watch. The next day, she pays in cash for a palatial estate on a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. What changed from yesterday to the next day? This woman married a billionaire. And everything that is his now belongs to her. She has it all because of who she married. Now, I want you to hold on to that. I want you to think of that because that right there is one of the best analogies for the gospel that I can tell you. Christian, do you know, are you aware of what you now possess because of Jesus Christ? Because you have put your faith in him. The Father has put you in Christ 
He has legally united you with Christ. You are in Christ. He is in you. All of his riches are yours. All of his blessings are yours. His life is yours. His power is yours. His honor is yours. His glory is yours. His love is yours. All of that is true because the Father united you to Christ the moment you believed. You see, your spiritual account is overflowing. In fact, it is so full that it demands release. And it demands release in the way of loving that springs out of you, honoring. And now you can pay unlimited compliments to people whose, whose appraisals are set the way that God sees them. You can pay it because you have it. You have it in your heart to give. But now I'm going to say something to you that seems like it's going to undo everything in this, this sermon so far. And I want you to really think. Did you know that God honors based on performance? Did you know that God honors based on performance? You might be getting a little nervous right now. Pastor Tim's about to go heretical. No, you don't understand the gospel. He honors you based on performance. Friends, listen, it's just not based on your performance. It's based on the performance of his son. You see, it's because of Christ's performance, what he did in your place, that God can honor you. He honors you because Christ lived obediently to the entire law, because Jesus perfectly met God's holy moral standard, because Jesus did what you and I could not do, no human could do. He remained perfect and sinless, and he died on that cross in your place, the righteous for the unrighteous, the perfect for the sinner, defeating sin and death, raised to the newness of life, coming out of that grave. The moment that you believed in him, you became legally connected, legally covenantally bound with him, and all of the honor of Jesus now becomes yours. You see, the son accomplished what you couldn't, and the father treats you as if you did it. Do you not know that's the gospel? That's the beauty of the gospel, and I know very few Christians who truly, truly understand that, and even more, and even fewer Christians who actually live it out. You see, what Jesus did allows the Father to give you the very rewards that he gave to his Son. See, God honors you as he honors his son. He loves you in the same way that he loves his son. And you might be going, wait a minute, that's crazy. Well, listen to the gospel pouring out of the lips of Jesus. John 17, the glory, Father, that you have given to me, I have given to them. You know what that's saying? The Father took Jesus in a darkened amphitheater and put him up on the stage and shone the spotlight on him. That's what the word glory means. It means to light up. Jesus is given the light. The Father is the one turning the light on. And you know what Jesus said? He said, Father, watch this. Hey, all of my people, all of the people that believe in me, come on up on stage. 
get in the light. Share the glory with me. I want you to taste this. I want you to experience the pleasure, the glory, the honor that the Father has for me. I'm giving it to you. Come on up on the stage. Get into the light because now you've got the same honor that the Father's giving to me. That's the gospel. Now, wait a minute. That's not how you live. I'm going to tell you why. It hasn't gone from here to here. And the only way it goes from here, you know about it, to you experientially have it, is through faith and obedience. you got to believe and you got to act on it. Or else it stays here. And if it stays here, it's not transformative. Jesus went on in this prayer that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. Now watch this. This is amazing. And loved them even as you loved me. Christian, do you not know? The father loves you to the very same degree that he loves his son. If that's not beginning to detonate in your heart, it's not from here to here. You got to believe that. You are poor one day and wealthy the next. Why? Because you've been united by faith into Jesus and God is honoring you based on his performance. You get all the blessings and you didn't have to die on the cross. You just believed in the one who did. Well, if that's not enough, it gets even more. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Do you know what that means? This blows out of the water the Jewish and the Roman way of inheriting to the children. You see, in the Jewish way, the eldest son got the lion's share of the inheritance. Don't you know why? It's not favoritism. It's that they knew they're going to die soon. It was the, elder, the eldest son's job to take care of financially the family. He was to steward the inheritance for the benefit of the family. But not in God's economy. Do you not know that your elder brother, Jesus, has given you the same exact inheritance that he gets. You don't get 4% and he gets 96. You get 100% and he gets 100%. He's not only the father loving you in the same way that he loves his son. You're not only getting to bask into the honor and the glory of the father that was given to the son. You get the same inheritance. You are so wealthy. Your bank account spiritually is full. So pay out your compliments, honor, appraise highly other Christians in the church. They are inheritance of the blessings of God. See, when you look at another Christian, you see their value before you see their performance. And love will spring honor from you to that person so greatly you won't even care if any of it is ever returned. But it will be returned if we all have the heart of a family. All right, well, let me close this down and let me make sure you're understanding just how significant this is. Honor is the appraised value that we have for each other in the family of God. 
But it's a value that's set higher than we could ever imagine. Imagine It's not driven by performance. It is seeing the person the way God sees a person. And it springs from a love so deep, so familial, so affectionate for one another that it demands to be expressed. If you bottle it up, it turns bitter. It turns toxic. you got to live it. That's what this love wants to do. It wants to turn from a noun to a verb. And when it is given, there is no thought of a return, only to show the one being honored how valuable, how important, how significant that person really is. Now, I could have closed by giving you five or six ways to honor one another, and I almost did. I took it out. And I'll tell you why. Because honor needs to spring from love, not mechanical ways to do it. It needs to be in the moment. You can't fabricate it or that's flattery. You've got to truly see the value, the significance, the appraisal of a person. And in that moment, without an inhibition, you've got to communicate it. It's got to flow from love to that person so that they can see, that they can recognize that they are loved by the Father the way that Jesus is loved, that they are honored by the Father the way Jesus is fathered, or is by his Father, and they are given the inheritance from the Father the way Jesus is given the inheritance. And you could do it by paying compliments. You could do it by honoring. You could do it by communicating value. Now watch as I close the problem. You and I live in a world of dishonor. We're always being dishonored. We're always being disgraced. We're always being shamed. We're always being critiqued. It's the way this world works. It's part of the fallen nature of every person. God has an antidote that sets the church off very differently from the world. So you come in here, in this congregation, you're in family. You don't get the critique. You get honest love. You get value communicated. You get an appraisal that's high because it's the way that God sees you. You get a reminder of the gospel's power of love that's pushing out of you to want to honor people, to give you the want to, to do what you ought to. You get the convincing persuasion that you are so honored by the Heavenly Father, so loved by the Heavenly Father, and so rich because of the Heavenly Father's gift through Christ to you that you want nothing more than to pay it out to other people. That's the heart of a family. That's what this church needs to be. And it starts when you lead the way. Outdo one another in showing honor. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for all that we're learning in this, Lord, this whole series. Lord, not just today, but Father, I pray that today, particularly because we are in such an environment of disgrace, Lord, such a culture of dishonor, Lord, that we would learn how to honor one another. We would learn to value one another the way that you value us, see people the way that you see people. And Lord, that there would be agape love and phileo storge love and phileo adelphus love pouring into our heart, Lord, so deep that it springs out of us honor to one another. Lord, show us, convince us, let us see the power of the gospel. We are so loved. 
We are so honored. And we are so wealthy because of Jesus. Lord, we give him all the credit. We give him all the fame. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.